0: in the middle. This series chronicles the life and really adventures, or I should say misadventures, of the three Baudelaire children, Violet, Klaus, and Sonny, after their parents died in a house fire. And throughout the 13 books, what's amazing is how these children had certain abilities identified by their parents at a young age that served them well on these misadventures, whether it was Sonny's teeth and their misadventures or Violet's uh, ability to invent stuff or Klaus's uh, ferocious appetite for, for books and knowledge that served them well as they went through the chaos and challenges of life. And each obstacle was overcome with these cultivated abilities. Have you ever found a new appreciation for something in your past that you had previously had taken for granted? Have you ever found a new appreciation for something in your past that you had previously taken for granted? Ruth and I p- recently determined uh, a new family vision for us. We just celebrated our 10-year uh, anniversary in December, and we were really excited about that. Got to get away for a few days. And as we went on that, on that journey, one of the things we had prayed about was what the next 10 years would hold for us. Uh, the first 10 years of our marriage, before we got married, we came up with a family vision that was said uh, whenever, wherever. We would fall, follow God whenever he calls, wherever he called. And that led us to here. But we were sensing, God, that, that as we had finished 10 years of marriage, uh, call, you know, asking us to consider what the next 10 years might look like. How might that be expressed? And one of the things that we came up with as we reflected on our lives and our own stories, was that for our next 10-year family vision, that it was going to be build deep wells because you're going to draw on them for the rest of your life. And it was a phrase that a friend had said to me several years ago, and as we considered the next 10 years of life, that, that family vision that was a useful tool for us as we think about finances, raising kids, making decisions about job, life, ministry, uh, it, help us, it helps us be aligned so that when we come up against these obstacles and these challenges, we have an agreement that this vision, under the word of the Lord, expressed through us, will, will help us tackle these well. Together, I, when I do premarital counseling, this is something I encourage every new couple to do, to consider writing down a family vision so that when you guys are in conflict, as you inevitably will be, you can be on the same side of the table and leverage that vision to overcome those obstacles and challenges together. But as we were discussing this new family vision, one of the reasons that, that it stuck in my heart and really in my head because as we considered raising our kids and with what is next, I began to reflect on my own childhood and an appreciation I had for a teen-based Bible competition called Bible Bowl. So now growing up, I, I love competition. I still like competition. But what this was, was a quiz-based, like, memorize it, share it, say it, Bible trivia type thing. Now, I, I share that with you because pulling from that deep well has served me well, especially over the last several years. When the margins are tightened When stress is high, when when things are difficult, I found myself drawing from the knowledge that I had retained and gained in those early years. And so, for Ruth and I, we said that this next ten years is we want to continue to cultivate that in our lives, but also in the lives of our kids. And I, as I reflected on that Bible bowl season of my life, I had to admit that I liked competition more than I liked that Bible knowledge. (laughs) But that Bible knowledge in the recesses of my brain is something that I now have come to treasure and appreciate So I'm a little more thankful for my parents making me get up early or memorize portions of the book of Exodus or quizzing me about genealogy. And I'm thinking wherever, why would I ever need that? But I find myself sitting across from tables with people like you in our church, in our community who have questions. And if it wasn't for that knowledge being, and sometimes forced upon me, that I now have a newfound appreciation for. I'm able to have conversations, sometimes with a Bible in my hand, but sometimes without, because of the deep wells and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I recognize that those deep wells didn't just happen. Moses is leading the people of God And they're standing on the precipice of the promised land. And he gives a series of speeches about what he wants them to retain as they enter a new season of life. And he retells them ten commandments and then later on in Deuteronomy he expands on on how they might apply those ten commandments through the law. So that they can live well at a new time and a new place. That they may not forget the Lord who rescued them but that they might live out of that rescue and help all the nations of the world understand who God is and what he has done. But it starts with him retelling the deep Knowledge, the deep things, the simple ten, the ten words of life to these people so that they might live well, that they might be prepared to live a life full of purpose and grace, unlike that of the previous generation who failed to consistently live in response to God well. And so we come to the fifth word today. It's a word of life that addresses a response to God-given authority placed in every human being's life, parents. God's usage of honor places human parents in proper relation to God while accounting for the far too off sin-distorted nature of the parent-child relationship. The hope is that in receiving this inherent good authority, Children may learn how to live under God's authority to become fully human and thus flourish. The Commandment goes, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and so that you may prosper in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Notice that this command to honor is directed to Children not to parents. Parents have responsibilities to their kids to pass down the faith and raise them to be adults. That's a responsibility given by God to every parent. We're actually going to talk about this a little later when we when we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and and we're going to talk really over a series of weeks of how Parents and adults are responsible for equipping and empowering the next generation to be fully functioning people in society, but also loving God with their whole being. That is the responsibility of parents. And we're going to talk about all kinds of different ways to do that in that series called Passing Down the Faith. But what's interesting is that before people are parents, if you become a parent, We're all first children, and at least children. Therefore, every single person with a beating heart in here had two people that contributed to your existence. Your ability to first be a child under authority does shape your parenting. It shapes your life. So again, no matter your situation or story, This command is not to be disregarded. It is for you, even maybe you're be a parent, maybe you won't be. Maybe you have aspirations to, maybe you don't. But first you have a responsibility to receive and understand what it's like to be a child under God-given authority. Our ability to hear this command, though, is regularly impaired by two current cultural factors. We frequently misappropriate, honor, and all domains of life we don't quite understand it it's not something we necessarily grew up with we've we've grown up with expressions of it like maybe you take take your hat off if, if, if you're uh, singing national anthem or maybe uh, some of you know it's like hey if, if someone's coming to the table you stand up to greet them or you open the door for a lady and those are types of expressions that that we have used to display honor maybe it's it's a medal or an award but frequently We don't understand honor, but what we do understand is shame. And we feel it frequently. And so we seek to be restored or to have dignity or honor and faulty or lesser things. So oftentimes, our ability to hear this command well is sabotaged by our misunderstanding and our misappropriation of honor. The second is the distorted nature of the parent-child relationships in today's world. You know it, and I know it. Some of you, this is your story. And I, I so appreciate Corey sharing some of his. Not all of us have great relationships with our parents. Some of you don't even know one of your parents. Some of you may not even know both. Some of you, uh, they may be dead. Some of you, as I think about talking about parents and that concept of honor, immediately, you're... You're feeling an overwhelming sense of what is he going to ask me to do today because I don't have a great relationship and I'm not sure I'm ready to go here. I just want to recognize that here right off the top. Some of you have great relationships with parents and and you can't quite understand of like, why is this a big deal? Like, I love my mom and dad and they're great. Regardless of where you find yourself in today's world. And your story. The parent-child relationship. Is distorted. It's less than what God intended. And whether we think it's perfect. Or we find it absolutely frustrating. The outcome of such impairment. Causes us to perceive. This command. As a death sentence. Rather than a life question. Full of dread rather than filling with hope and promise and expectation. Because we begin to measure respect and honor by what is earned and not inherently given. See, everyone has to prove everything to everyone. The measuring stick is the degree to which we feel good. The moment honor is bestowed, we will be fraught with anxiety and beset with shame around performance and the approval of others to validate. Honor isn't given to parents because it's earned, or so we think. It's Instead, we fail to recognize that it's given because it's given by God. God who gives life. And so our brains sometimes are short-circuited when we start to dive into this topic. But what I find freeing about this command is that the usage of honor Is actually a gift. When God says and gives this command, he doesn't say, obey your parents. He doesn't say, approve of your parents. He doesn't say, agree with your parents. He doesn't even say, love your parents. Love is in God's vocabulary. God is love. He asks people to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love him with our total being. He uses it elsewhere. Instead, he says, honor. This is especially important because as we begin to internalize what this might mean for us, we have to begin to think about our own relationship with our parents. And we know that God is not asking us to do something that may be psychologically or emotionally impossible from the outset. What he's beginning to ask is to recognize that there's a pattern of authority, that there's a pathway that bestows blessing, that there's a relationship that can be accessible to you that ultimately always points to a better and more beautiful relationship with him. See, the seeds of who we are or who we become are sown and nurtured in the trenches of the parent-child relationship. That's why so, many, so much counseling for adults focuses on your family of origin. <laughs> I mean, in other words, on your relationship or lack thereof with our parents. One of my favorite exercises to do with individuals It's to have them outline their family tree and start to trace back patterns that are both good but also patterns of brokenness. Because what you start to realize is some of what's being manifest in your own life is an outcome of generations of sin cycles that are starting to show up. And what, when you begin to identify that and understand that and step back from it, you don't have to be fearful of it because you're not internalizing and identifying and agreeing with it. What you're able to do is saying that is part of my story, part of maybe even my family tree, but that's not me. And that's the beautiful nature about God's family is because when he gives out this command to honor your parents, it's the beautiful foretaste that we're part of an eternal and a bigger family that is his family. And when we start to engage in that, we can begin to an agreement with this is the family that I am now a part of. And that's what Moses is reminding the people of Israel. This is why we say we want people to join God's family through faith in Christ. Because then they can be made a new person with a new family on a new mission. That is so true and so important. Because then as you look at the cycles, maybe of both blessing and of curses in your life, you can both appreciate, but you don't have to approve. Understanding our families of origin. Understanding what God asks us to do in this commandment. Honoring parents help children help us understand that they've been given an identity by God for the world. And that there is also a moral authority above them to whom they are accountable. Yes, amen. We've got to understand we're all people under authority. It's just a matter of which authority we are under. Which authority are you under? When we understand that God has intended parents to be a blessing and a good authority, pointing us back to God's good and gracious character and his authority. When we begin to see that pathway and understand, hear that pathway, and I know as I even say that, some of you are like, I've never experienced that in my life. Even Sigmund Freud, who's a lot of our modern day psychology is based off, he says, uh, how you can help understand a person's perspective of God is what they think of their dad. And when we start to think about that and internalize that, what it begins to challenge us to do is to think about the ability to honor our parents. Starts to recognize us. How do we deal with an authority? And while our parents may not have always been the best and sometimes they are great, we know that they aren't always perfect. And so this gives us an opportunity To look for and experience at times the beautiful, sweet-tasting nature of our good, heavenly parent that is God. And so when honor is restored in the relationship, and that parent-child relationship is in the process of being repaired by children practicing honor in that relationship, the promise, the reward, or the reason, however you want to look at that last part of the verse, provides stability that lasts. Because you understand how to exist in a chaotic world amidst all kinds of levels of authority, good, bad, and different. Some you're aware of and some you're not. But you're able to recognize and understand who your identity is, is it's a received identity that those will always be in in your life. And now you can give credit where credit is due, Or you can, you know, throw a wing in your mouth and eat the meat and spit out the bone. See, living under authority to become fully human and flourish is vitally important. And Israel's purpose was to model a relationship with God that transcended all relationships. Such connection was the foundation for the ability to care for others who did not have family, nor family identity. That was based in rescue rather than performance. See, recognition of this received authority represents God well and a world looking for a loophole. See, without a call to honor and alignment with God, our rebellious hearts would go unchecked. Jesus picks this up actually in Matthew chapter 15. The Pharisees have asked Jesus a question about ritual cleansing, and they're, they're trying to understand, so who should we listen to? Should we listen to the traditions and authorities of the elders, or should we listen to, to God's word? Um, what do you say about this? And they're kind of challenging Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes have come up with traditions that actually allowed children not to provide for their parents. If a parent needed something, but a child didn't want to give it, the child could simply claim that what was needed was dedicated to the Lord, and this tradition could be used to avoid honoring one's father and mother. In this, and a number of other ways, the elder transitions were trumping the word of God. And so this is what's happening in this scenario. And so what Jesus does is he recites this very commandment back to them. And his answer is, is essentially that these leaders cannot claim authority when they undermine the simple principle or practice of authority by looking for a loophole. Saying, yeah, yeah, you can do some right things, but if you're not attached to the Father, if you're not understanding who He is and what He has done, then all of your outward acts trying to get around Living out this truth is pretty meaningless. I'm saying if you lived out of the attachment to God and His eternal story rather than your own selfish desires, then you would stop looking for a loophole. See, we need parents, we need good parental figures in our life. Without such, when conflict arises, you'll always be looking for a loophole. A way to get out, hedge the bet, not live with integrity, Mm -hmm. not be pure, not give credit where credit is due, be insecure, always needing approval, Mm -hmm. feeling like you have to be the one to control the situation. God has gifted parents those who are fully attached to God with an ability to love and represent God well. And for those who have parents who don't always do this right or do that well, we begin to understand honor for parents as a response to God-given authority that starts with obedience but matures over a lifetime, leading us to love God more. Let's say that again. Think for us as we navigate this concept of honor for parents, wherever you are at in your story, that honor is a response to God-given authority that starts with obedience when you're young, but matures over a lifetime, leading us to love God more. At work, someone asked me to share what my favorite sports teams was recently, and I get, a, get went back and kind of think about my answer. And because when I when I get this, it's it's always a fun conversation of my favorite sports teams. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in Ohio, north side of Columbus, which naturally assumes for those of you who are familiar, or maybe not. That means I should be an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. I'm not. I am a Michigan Wolverines fan. And what I find is when people ask me, how did you become a Michigan Wolverines fan? I have to go through the thought process of how much do I share about my childhood and my upbringing and my experience, which led me to that decision. And what I've come to learn is over the years, that story has always been truthful, but it's begun to change. And it's begun to change because what I realized is that unconsciously or consciously, intentionally or unintentionally, I was sharing truths about how I perceived my parents and my childhood in light of a choice. And I always get when I share that is they get like, well, so how does that sit with your family? (laughs) Well,. Maybe that's a story for another day. (laughs) My typical response has been, well, in my rebellion, my parents said choose, and I chose the opposite. And that probably tells you more about me than about them. I could definitely elaborate more about that experience growing up and how later in life I had to come with terms with many of my parents' decisions and more about that experience and that own journey of how I perceived them and how I perceived myself. But as my own journey with Jesus has progressed, realizing that I have growth and grown along the way, that I had to come to terms with how I would view and respond to my parents. Just as I have my story, I know you have yours. You have things when people ask you, it just, it almost flips a switch and wants to set you off. It triggers something. And as you think about your life and think about your upbringing and how you communicate that to others, the reality is, is that for a follower of Jesus, are we looking for a loophole or are we looking to follow well? Are you looking for a loophole on why you shouldn't, can't, or won't practice honor of your parents, no matter how good your justification is? Or are you willing to consider how your followership of Jesus calls you to respond in these moments? So let me suggest just a few ways. And my suggestion of these is not that you do all of them all at once, but maybe give you some consideration of how followership of Jesus might change your response to your parents and your own story. For those of you who are still at home and under the age of at least 18, my suggestion for you would be to obey whenever possible. Put your plates in the dishwasher when asked or in the sink Clean your room. Communicate with your parents of where and when you'll be. Learn to obey, even if you don't agree. Obey whenever possible. Maybe a more challenging one is to forgive. Perhaps one of the most important ways we can honor our parents is to forgive them. I've said several times already there are no perfect parents. All parents fall short of kids' expectations at one time or another, and in all likelihood, even their own. Your parents may have sinned against you. They have made unwise decisions. They have unrealistic expectations. They have said and done things that have left us deeply wounded. And for that reason, many kids enter adulthood controlled by anger and bitterness. They find themselves unable to move past their parents' mistakes or their parents' sin but you can take a step of honor today by forgiving and what's amazing is that this is actually possible for we serve and imitate a forgiving savior in the bible we see jesus willingness to forgive the ones who have wounded him we honor our parents by extending grace and forgiveness to them Some of you may need to have a conversation with someone else before you have that conversation, maybe with the person you need to forgive. But that's a way that you can begin to start some healing. Another way is to speak well of them. To refuse to speak evil of them. We live at a time when it's considered noble to air our grievances, when it's considered therapeutic to air our dirty laundry, when we think little of telling the world exactly what we think of our bosses, of our parents, of our governors. We think ourselves as honest and authentic. But maybe sometimes we can speak well not to be inauthentic or dishonest. Maybe not to, to simply put them on blast. But to be a little more honest that we have to work through our own hurts, our own sense of identity, and sometimes that's more on us than our parents. And we can begin to own some of that by speaking well of our parents whenever possible, while they're alive and after they have died. Speak well of them to our siblings and to our spouses and to our children. Speak well of them to our churches and our communities, modeling a countercultural kind of honor and respect that has long since gone missing in way too many contexts. Consider speaking well of your parents and refuse to speak evil of them. Kind of in tandem with that is esteem them in private and in public. Respect parents' need to see themselves in you. I'm sure those of you who are parents long to see how you have impacted your children. Your parent probably feels much the same. How their children are a reflection of their strengths and of their values. To give, you maybe don't realize how important it is to give them credit where you can. How, maybe you don't realize how critical it is to say, you know, everything I really ever learned about saving money, I learned from you. To say, you know, dad, that's one thing you always taught me, and I really, really appreciated that. To find moments to esteem them. Both mom and dad, simple measures, ones that can bring great joy and honor to our parents. And maybe actually open the door to some healing. We can give such esteem privately in one-on-one conversations. We can do this publicly Uh, One example I was reading about this week was just maybe write a letter, a tribute of some ways that your parent has positively impacted you and share that with them. Another way that maybe consider is to actually seek their wisdom. As you've gotten maybe to know their story later in life, maybe as you've had some conversations with them about the ups and downs, Maybe you can just ask them, how would you navigate this? Or how did you navigate this twist and this turn? To seek their help. You don't always have to take it. You don't always have to do it. But maybe it's time to just ask. Another way to have you consider is to support them. When we are young, we gain strength and long for independence. Our parents raise us to be strong and be free. But there's a trade-off here, a passing of the baton. For as our parents age, they become feeble, and they begin to lose their independence. We can honor our parents by giving them the insurance that we will not forsake them in their old age. Maybe just as they cared for us, or maybe they didn't. But we're going to choose to care for them. This is our responsibility and ought to be our joy. I think in a time like this that there are millions of elderly adults living alone, consigned to nursing homes and hospitals, cared for by professionals rather than family members. This is where the great family of God begins to intercede and intersect. That we can be maybe family for others in their elderly age, when their, f- un- their own family is unwilling to engage. The last is to have you consider is to provide for them. Finally, if you're able, we can honor parents by providing for them financially. Perhaps no form of honor more deeply cuts against the Western grain than this one. This command applies equally to parents of young children and the children of elderly parents provide for them, to reciprocate maybe a blessing that they have given for you. If you've got a job, maybe it's instead of them always buying you coffee, maybe buy them one. What's amazing is I put these out. I know some of you feel very overwhelmed. Some of you maybe have gotten excited of this is a way I can put this into practice. What I have found is that if you try to do this alone on your own strength and your own power, you may have some success. But chances are one will prove more challenging than the others. And this is where the new family of God starts to come in. For us to support one another as we get to know our stories, to be able to encourage one another. Hey, do you know when you speak of your mom and dad, you always speak about them in this way? Have you considered a different tone, a different story? Because let's remember that we're not doing this to earn favor or approval or to uphold the family image in an earthly sense. We're doing it because we have been first loved by God, and it's His authority and grace that can be mediated through parents. And maybe the first step to healing on your journey and in your story can be by you displaying honor, being first a child that gives before you look to receive. And this is where, again, the family of God, where we can help each other. So many people see generations as people who are not defined by their story. My hope is that we are people who are not defined by our past or by our hurts or by our lack of great relationships with our parents or even our great relationships with our parents. But by first and foremost a growing relationship with God that transforms and transcends all relationships. And maybe even our first relationship with our parents. To be transformed by the glory and goodness Of Jesus. Let's pray. God you are good. As I think about. My own story. The story of generations. The the story of. Many people in the room. God, would you just help us respond with honor? God, I, I pray against the desire to feel shame and et- internalize something that we have no agreement or approval over, God, but simply may we receive the love that you have for us that is given by your heavenly love through Jesus. May we respond by giving that love to others and may it start with bestowing honor. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.